1: Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The following podcast contains explicit language.
2: (laughs) Ooh, I like that. You gonna do it with this? And then then... What about this? You know I can't move in those. You're right. And tonight is all about me. And a dance floor. So, hey. I said me. Yeah. And a dance floor. Hey. Be about you. Uh huh. And get it ready. Hey. You. And get it ready. Hey. Sing <laughs> Singing that all day.
0: What's up, everyone? I'm your host Aisha Harris, and this is a new edition of Represent. Now, if you've been watching and debating HBO's Insecure as much as I have this season, we've got a treat for you. Yvonne Orgy, a.k.a. Molly, joined us in the studio recently to talk about Season 2 and much more. It was a very fun conversation, and I'm looking forward to you all listening to it. But first, we're going to turn to Netflix's latest attempt to tackle a sensitive issue in an original series, Atypical, created by Robia Rashad, centers around autistic high schooler Sam Gardner, played by Kyle Gilchrist, and his quest to find a girlfriend. And before the show even dropped on the streaming platform a couple of weeks ago, it was already a source of controversy, with folks accusing the trailer of making fun of its protagonist and concern over the perceived lack of creative involvement from people who are actually autistic. Now that the show is out, I wanted to speak with a couple of people who can relate personally to the frustrations autistic people have with representation and get their takes on where atypical falls within the limited number of on-screen portrayals that exist. The first person I spoke with was Timotheus Gordon Jr., a PhD student at the University of Illinois at Chicago and the creator of the blog Black Autist, which explores issues surrounding autistic people of color. When I asked him about his thoughts, he took issue with the way in which Sam's relationship with his therapist, Julia, played by Amy Okuda, is portrayed. Sam develops an intense crush on her, even breaking into her house at one point with the intentions of declaring his love for her. And this eventually causes a rift between Julia and her boyfriend, as Timotheus mentioned in our chat.
3: After I watched the whole season within one or two days, which it was kind of brave on my part. <laughs> yes. Very <laughs> brave. You see how Sam navigates his world from his point of view and how he sees certain situations like for instance when Julie was showing him um, dance moves at the parking lot When I, I was doing social skill sessions in elementary school, we used a hula hoop to learn about boundaries and how people don't like it when you stand too close, but I can't slow dance with a hula hoop so I, I don't know how I'm supposed to know how close to stand
0: Okay, try this Think of personal space on a scale of one to three. Three would be with your arms out, fully extended, like how you would dance with your sister. Uh, and then you would put your hands on my shoulders as well.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Then you just kind of sway back and forth.
3: We see how, in his mind, how Sam reacted to it and how Sam was thinking is, oh, she's dancing with me. That means she likes me. Mm hmm. As a professional, knowing that you're, we have an autistic person who does not know what boundaries are, why be that close? And then, fast forward to the last episode.
0: Are you asking me if I want to start a romantic relationship with my teenage patient?
3: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) Okay, fine. Say I agree to be your girlfriend. Then what? We start dating? Have sex? I'd lose my job for sleeping with a patient, so I won't have any money to pay my bills or my rent, and I have
1: $200,000 in student loans. Do you have an extra $200,000 lying around?
3: No, uh, I, I don't know. You're, you're talking really fast. Because
1: I'm upset. What you did is very inappropriate. I mean You really have no sense of that after all the work we put in?
3: So... you don't love me? No. Oh, my God, no! No! I mean, why do you he broke into the house? So she had a right to be mad, but it was uh, the implication that it was Sam's fault that Julia and Miles broke up. Reinforces the idea that autistic people are a burden. They cause trouble in relationships. It's kind of like a theme throughout a typical where... Who's getting blamed for um Elsa cheating? Sam. Right. Who's getting blamed for why Doug is absent, even though Doug took the initiative is all is on him. It's pretty much blame putting all the problems on the autistic person as opposed to the people around him. I wanna
0: I wanna shift just a little bit. You write about the invisibility of of autistic people of color and i'm curious uh, you know i think we only see one person of color whose son i think or whose child is autistic and they, and they mention it in the group uh, group uh, session for the parents and uh, at one point they say something along along the lines of her child is high um is not as high functioning as sam is i thought it was an interesting kind of moment to see because they make her feel bad about it?
3: The divide between qualical high-functioning and low-functioning, which in the autistic community, we don't see it as the divide. We mostly see it as a spectrum. So there's moments where they could function. There's other moments where they need um, assistance. And that could be anybody.
0: I mean... Are there are there good portrayals for people to look for of autistic people who are people of color as well? Besides atypical, because it's clear we're not going to see that in atypical, at least not in this first season.
3: Unfortunately, fortunately, I would have to say, for a personal experience, no. Besides reading um, the current anthology called "The Weight of Our Dream, where Autistic people of color actually written about experiences being on the spectrum, but as far as movies or theories i don't I did not know
0: now is there is there any particular story from that anthology you mentioned that you would recommend?
3: Oh God, there's so many um reading Lydia Brown's piece on their um obsession with terrorism and the fact that even though it was more an obsession, it it applies to their work later on. A lot of people see it as, oh, no, they are being a terrorist. They support terrorism, which is nothing more than just an interest, not a actual attempt at terrorizing people. I relate that to my own life as um, being interested in anime where a lot of people say where well, anime is garbage anime is perverted which there's some anime out there that is questionable but there's a lot of anime that is safe so much and enjoyed so i think their story reminds me of how our interests Could be uh, scrutinized, especially if you come from another culture.
0: I also spoke with Sarah Luterman, the founder and editor of Nos Magazine, a publication that centers around neurodiversity, culture, and representation. She actually recapped each episode of the show on the blog, and I asked her thoughts on whether
1: early concerns about it were warranted or premature. I think that Sam, the main character who's autistic, was designed to be laughed at and not with, which was really disappointing.
0: Yeah. I mean, you do a very good job on your blog of, of pointing out the sort of items on the checklist that tend to occur whenever autistic people are portrayed in film, TV, or any sort of pop culture. Can you talk a little bit about the cliches of the way autism tends to be portrayed on screen? And what are the check boxes that Sam, a few of the checkboxes that Sam uh, definitely hits throughout the show?
1: Well, I think the there's stereotype I think the stereotypes about what autism looks like and what Sam is, while they overlap considerably, are sort of different things. So on mm-hmm. one hand, Sam isn't a character so much as a list of symptoms, which was really frustrating. I mean, like he doesn't just check off every box. He checks off every box to the extreme. He doesn't miss some social cues. He misses all of them and they're comedically timed. Um he doesn't like he'll, he'll manifest new compulsions based on plot preference. Like there's this instance where he asks his parents to explain love and he's making a list of rules, which he's been doing throughout the series. And he cuts them off at three rules, which he'd never done before. And I understand that the writers wanted to cut the scene short, but like that's not how it works. Like you don't just develop a new ritual or a compulsion suddenly for convenience. Um, uh, on the other hand, I think that rep- – representation of autism so there's sam's representation of autism in terms of symptoms and in terms of not really being a full person and then there's representation representation of autism in general um so basically almost every representation of autism in media is of a white cisgender heterosexual uh man um i mean there's rain man obviously um Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, although they never make that explicit um Hugh Dancy mm. played uh that kind of character in Adam um and all of these uh, and most of these storylines tend to revolve around um, this autistic man who wants to fall in love but somehow repeatedly confuses romantic behavior with misogyny um mm. and it's really frustrating as an autistic woman because. There's so many other stories out there and it affects how people see autism in a way that affects um, whether people get diagnosed at all. Um, There's some pretty huge diagnostic and service gaps for people of color and for especially black people and and Latino people and, um, and women. And the reason for that is that For the longest time, people thought that autism was a male disease. Um, It's actually why Autism Speaks has blue as its color. Mm. And so what happened was there's like an entire generation of women, including me, who weren't diagnosed as children because girls don't have Asperger's. Um, And I think that this show reinforces that again. It doesn't change anything, which I just thought was really frustrating. There's so many stories that aren't being told. And instead we get the same story over and over and over again about basically the same person over and over and over again written by people who aren't autistic. Mm -hmm.
0: So it sounds like for you this doesn't move the ball forward. It just kind of keeps it where it was. Do you think it even like maybe moves it back a bit in terms of what we kind of hope and expect from these portrayals.
1: I was talking to my friend Eric Garcia, who's a journalist at Roll Call, and he's also autistic, And uh, about my frustrations with the representation in Atypical, and he said something that I thought was really interesting, which is... Um, is it better to get shot in the head or the chest? <laughs> um, is it better to have no representation whatsoever so people don't even know you exist or to be represented extremely poorly so that people think things about you that are unkind at best um, and mm-hmm. i don't know the answer to that yeah it, it's something I've been thinking about a lot
0: yeah i mean i I hadn't even really thought of it from that perspective, or from the perspective of like the fact that this I mean, I've I've always thought about, and the whole point of the show is to discuss these things that aren't just from the, you know, white male cis uh, perspective. But then when I think about when we're talking about something like autism, where people can be diagnosed or not be diagnosed on this based on these reinforced stereotypes, that's something I just hadn't really thought about is, is and I wasn't aware that like it used to be considered uh Used to be mostly associated with with boys and, and men and not women, so I can yeah I can see how this is incredibly problematic uh, in in that in that way.
1: It's also um, problematic for people of color in that um, on average, black families in the United States, uh, their children are diagnosed years after white children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and once again, a lot of that has to do with this image of what autism is that Sam reinforces. We have this show that
0: you and many people agree or not is not very good at what it does. Can you think of any I know I know the the options are limited but can you think of any alternative films or TV shows that people might want to check out instead that are more more enlightening, more interested in the humanistic traits of autistic people than the sort of rote by the numbers painting that we get with Sam in Atypical?
1: Um, so I, I think I know some people in the community don't agree with me about this, um, but I actually think Julia on Sesame Street is very well executed. I think they were very sensitive with her and they consulted actual autistic people in forming her character, which really changes a lot of how people treat her and her storylines. Um, Additionally, um, she's not diagnosed, and they sort of have it as a one-off joke in, like, the pilot episode. But I really love Tina from Bob's Burgers. Aww. I, 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 I relate to her a lot. Um, Tina is, like, me as a teenager. <laughs> I, like, and, and I think she's great because, like, she has these intense interests. She's really concerned about breaking rules Um she has these intense reactions. Like, I, I just, I think, but but it's not laughing at her. Mm-hmm. It's sort of laughing at this, like, teen awkwardness and angst that everyone experiences. And I, I think that was really successful. Um, they've never clarified whether that joke in the first episode means she's actually autistic or not. But I I really like Tina. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love Tina, too. She's she's my favorite character on Bob's Burgers, for sure.
1: But yeah, there, there really isn't much out there. Um, I mean, there's, I think there's that character from The Killing, but I actually haven't seen that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, there's really nothing, which is frustrating.
0: Now, it doesn't help that Atypical's creative team seems to be lacking one crucial component for a project like this, the input of actually autistic people. Per the show's official Twitter account, only one actor in the show is on the spectrum.
1: Yeah, his name's Anthony Jack. Do you know which character he plays? Um, he plays the other autistic boy that Sam interacts with when he, his mother's cutting that woman's hair and they're told to go Oh, right. find something in common. And I, I appreciated that it highlighted that just because you have the same diagnosis doesn't mean you're going to have anything in common or even like the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that scene really showed a lot of cracks because... Anthony Jack is actually autistic, and the way that he portrayed autism was much more natural and real because that's his life.
3: What are we supposed to talk about?
1: Why don't you try and find some common interests? Upstairs.
3: Dirt bikes? No. Wildlife? Ugh. Sex? Yes. uh, I've never done it before, but I expect to soon after the winter formal dance at school. What? What? With who? My girlfriend, Paige. Have you gone through all the bases? What bases? The bases. First base, kissing. Second base, boobs. Third base is the privates. And the home run, sex. That's the order
1: it goes. It was just so much more unforced with him. According to an interview, Robia Rashid says that uh, he auditioned for the part of Sam, but they chose not to cast him because... They felt that Kira Gilchrist was the the right person for the role. And that scene really highlighted their mistake, um, in my
0: opinion. Save for Anthony Jack, who's uh, one character in the show, a minor character in the show, as well as, I think, the social media <laughs> person for the show.
1: Yeah, but not, not the social media person. Um, they said that it was the uh, social team, which... I have no idea what that is, and I actually tried to contact contact Netflix to ask, and they never got back to me. Um, Whatever it is, it's not credited on IMDb, so it can't be that important. Right, right.
0: I mean, (laughs) but but even the thing with that is that the social—whoever, social person, social media, like, they're not even—I don't think they're involved at all with the actual creation of the work. So whatever they do probably comes after. So, I mean— I think, I guess it's not so much a question as I, I think that just highlights how important it is to have people in the room creating these things. It's not enough to just have a consultant like they had on the show, which was, uh, her name is Michelle Dean. She's a professor of special education at Cal State University, she, and she's done a lot of studying on autism, but there's a difference between having someone who studied it and written a lot about it and someone who's actually living with it.
1: And I, I think that really showed because Sam is so hollow. I mean, he just seems like a a pile of autism symptoms plus boobs and penguins. Um, like, it, it's – he just is so hollow. He doesn't even seem like a person and that's – not how it is at all. We're, we're people. Um, and I know that, like, seems like it would be really obvious. I'm not actually, like, personally a stickler for, like, you know, autistic people can only be played by autistic people, but I do believe that when you've never actually had an autistic person play an autistic person in any mainstream media, that's maybe something to think about. One final
0: point Sarah made to me was that the show wasn't really supposed to be about Sam, but about autism and the way in which it affects not just autistic people, but everyone around them. In the case of Atypical, as both Sarah and Timotheus echoed, this focus contributed to a negative representation of autism by making it seem as though all the other characters' bad behaviors were caused directly by Sam's disability. Basically, if you haven't watched this show yet, you might just want to skip it. Hopefully there will be better portrayals to enjoy in the very near future.
2: Cause you know it's hard out here for a pill. When you're trying <laughs> to, to get the, the money for, for the rent Push that thing out Cause you know it's hard out Yep, that's how I feel Turn that up in
0: the headphones Yeah <laughs> What she say? She said, I hope she knows we're going to be using that Oh, but are you guys recording?
2: <laughs> that's hysterical <laughs> So yeah. if
0: you haven't been watching Insecure this season You should fix that For longtime listeners, I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard me say this, as we've discussed season one in earlier episodes of Represent and had showrunner Prentice Penny on just a few months ago. This time around, we were lucky enough to catch Yvonne Orji, who plays Issa's best friend Molly, while she was in NYC. We had a great conversation. We discussed her audition for the role, how her faith plays into her work and personal life, and we even discussed which character we think suffers the most from their own insecurities in season two. Check it out. Well, it is, I, I'm just really excited to have you here today. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Yvonne. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I mean, I am a huge fan of Insecure, and your your character, I think, is really fascinating. All the characters are very fascinating, but yours especially, um, there's just so many, so much going on, so many layers going on there. And let's just start off, take us back a little bit okay. first. Um what was your audition like for
2: Holly? <laughs> oh, bless those auditions. Um, <laughs> you know it was funny because Issa had told me uh, about the show getting picked up by HBO, um, like in January, and so in my mind I'm like, okay, oh, I'm gonna be seeing a breakdown soon, like in mm-hmm. two weeks, and then like. Seven months later, um, in July, was when the first audition um, actually happened. And, you know, I had already, like, released the trailer for my pilot, first gen and so Issa was like oh okay you're gonna be doing that and she was very gracious and sent it to all the like awkward black girl folks and so my friend was actually the one who was like oh yeah they're casting for insecure so i hit her up like girl congratulations like casting started and she was like yeah were you were you still interested and i was like i'm sorry i'm sorry what why, why why would i why would i not be interested and you guys were friends right yeah we're friends yeah yeah and so she she was just like oh well because you know you know first gen and then you're doing your thing i said, Sweetheart, nobody has paid me for my show so I <laughs> technically am a non-working actress so how do we make this happen so she was like oh my gosh and so literally the next week I submitted uh for to, to audition and I got to like the audition the next time and mm-hmm. so then it was five auditions before I actually booked it and each time you know cause you know like Issa's She's so non-confrontational, and, like, I yeah. don't ever want to put her, like, in an awkward position. So after every audition, I was like, girl, hey, listen, I just want to let you know, like, it's it's cool if it's not me. Like, it's, it's, I get it. Like, there's so <laughs> many people, and you know a lot of people, yeah. and, like, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. And she was like, what are you talking about? No, you're you're doing a good job. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, cool. Also, if it's not me, it's cool. Like, don't feel like you can't, like, I'm not going to take it personally. Like, yeah. I I'm just very happy. And so, like, I think I sent her the that text like every single time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were you just
2: like, I don't want her to feel obligate? Or do you, or was it more for you? Like, I think it was just, for her. Cause you know, yeah. like, you know, like, if someone's like an awkward black girl, you don't ever want to be like, oh, I just cannot. I just, you know, because right, right. we're friends and I don't want. It. And I literally was like, I'm giving you the, like, we grown. Mm-hmm. It's cool if I ain't get it. Like, I'd rather hear it from you yeah. than like not hear it at all. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, I guess they went with somebody else. Like, you can just literally be like, girl. You did a good job, but, like, I think we're going to go a different direction. I'd be like, oh, my God, I appreciate you. Like, yeah. You know, I I wanted to give her that opportunity to be like, it's not you, Yeah. <laughs> but each time she was, like, so reassured. And she was like, just keep doing what you've been doing. And also this was, like, my first major thing. So I'm like... I don't know how this goes. Like, mm-hmm. is is four normal? Is five normal? Like, how right. many more do we go? And, you know, there was only one time that I, I actually ever felt like, you know, this is mine to lose, which was the fourth audition when we had the chemistry read. And it was me and Issa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're auditioning together because other times it was... Me auditioning with the casting director and then Issa, our showrunner apprentice, our E P director, Melina, yeah. you know, and and some other EPs are on the couch and you're just like performing for them. Mm-hmm. This time, it was like, Issa's right next to me, rereading lines together. We're feeding off of each other's energy. And like, because we were cool, yeah. it was just so natural and so easy and I could like ad-lib or improv and like, and that was the only time I walked out. I'll never forget it. We were in Beverly Hills and I was like, listen, if they don't want me, they don't want me because I killed that. <laughs> and then every other time, I was like, I just don't know if this is me, they want. Nice. <laughs> and then you got it. And Then, yes. And then the the test which is very intimate. Whenever you test, it's like you're in a room with, like, suits. It's just, like, all the suits from the network and no one's giving you, it's like a dark room. Yeah. No one's giving you anything. It's yeah. just, like, the laughter or, the, like, responses you would hear from, like, those intimate auditions were gone. Right. And now you're, like, in an auditorium with people you've never met before. You've just signed a contract. So, like, if it's you, like, you already know what you're going to be making and all that. Yeah. And you get in whenever you're ready. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah uh, okay cool cool you do the lines and you know i'm doing i'm performing with Issa as well and i i I think i may have heard one chuckle like it was just like maybe like a ha and i was like (laughs) oh my god oh my god and so in that moment i went into you're a comedian and right now you're bombing but you finish your set Mm -hmm. and i just like that was the mindset like i was like you know what your material works and it's worth somewhere else it's maybe not working tonight but you still have a job to do so finish your set and mm-hmm. walk out of here and then you can cry <laughs> which is exactly what i did so i was very like surprised and shocked when i booked it i was like what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs>
0: well, it's funny because so now this is your your breakthrough role. Like a lot of people, that most, of it, most viewers, this is the first time they are seeing you. Yeah. And so when that happens and you have a role like this with Molly where it's like very – I mean this show is very much a, a game changer in many ways. It's coming out at a time when we have so many black uh, – different shows being headed by black people and showing different types of black people. And so like you're part of this wave and this movement – do you have a lot of people confusing you with Molly? Like thinking <laughs> thinking that you are Molly or and like what about you is Molly and what about you isn't?
2: I have a lot of people confusing me with a lot of other people. I have people confusing me with Brandy, Jill Marie Jones. Uh Well, I
0: saw I saw a video clip of you with Jill Marie Jones. Yes. Because we
2: actually we I was like, girl, we have to meet because this is I know you getting the tweets, I'm getting the tweets. Let's just let's just figure this out. Like
0: Well, it's crazy because Tony Childs from Girlfriends. I, as soon as I saw this show, I was like, she reminds me so much of Tony Yeah. Jones. So I can see, I mean, I guess I kind of see the resemblance physically too, but really it's mostly
2: just like your characters feel very similar. Well, before the show came out, I think it was mostly just physical because <laughs> I'll never forget he sent to me a screenshot of like a post, Facebook post and it was like, yo, I cannot believe Jim Marie Jones is on this show. I cannot wait for Insecure to drop. And so she said to me with, like, the crying emoji, like, Bye. I was like, you rude. You, you a jerk. And I was like, "What are they going to know it's me? My name is Yvonne Orgy. And she's like, my mom named me Yvonne. I'm going to call her Yvonne. Um, so, yes, it, you know. Um, but then I think, I, I don't think I have people confusing me with Molly. But I did get, I did get a tweet this after this last episode. Apparently, me uh, not accepting uh, SZA tickets was a big deal for a lot of people. They were like, Girl, what is wrong with you? You always say yes to the tickets. And it suddenly came around. I was like, Everyone, come. This is just, it's not real.
0: Um, <laughs> people people do get all up at like in their feelings. They were about very the upset. Stuff. And
2: this one girl, she was like, oh, if I ever see Yvonne Orgy, and she was like, I know Yvonne Orgy and Molly are not the same, but I feel like if I ever see Yvonne Orgy in real life, it's gonna take everything for me to not sock her. And I was like, well, I was like, well, I'm glad that I, if I ever see you, I'm gonna cross the street. And I was like, I was just like, I just want you to know, if I ever see you, I'm gonna cross the street. And she was like, I'm gonna try and show me straight, girl. I'm gonna try and show me
0: straight. Dude, what?
2: So that's funny because
0: uh, Dominique Perry, who plays Tasha yes. on the show, has also said yeah. on, that like she's had women say, like, I wanna fight you.
2: And it's like, Tasha (laughs) did nothing wrong, and I'm so glad. Like, it's so funny because, you know, obviously we know what's coming up, so I was just like, y'all wait till episode three. Yeah, She's gonna read Lawrence. My whole family was here, and you just ghosted. Do you know how embarrassing that was? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know how much you wanted me to be there. Quit acting like you give a fuck about what I want. Yo, Tasha. You don't think I knew what this was? I knew it wasn't nothing serious. But see, you fronted like it was
0: apologizing
2: for shit you wasn't even sorry for. No, I was sorry. You, you a fuck nigga. Oh, come on. No, you know what? You worse than a fuck nigga. You a fuck nigga who thinks he's a good dude. Tasha didn't do nothing wrong until so finally I think when she read Jay, I was like, where y'all Where y'all at now? Where's the hive? Excuse me? Yeah? Because that she was very accurate yes. with her read of him. Yes. So I was very excited about that. But yeah, no. I don't think... People confuse me. I think there's been enough uh, interviews where they're like, "Oh, they're different." Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, so one of the things is that I find really fascinating about you is that you you talk very openly about your dating life, mm-hmm. and and you know, you gave that TED talk earlier this year where you talked about dating as a woman in her 30s and as a virgin. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to like what makes you want to be so open about these things. And I've also seen some of your stand up is also very much about like dating and all that stuff. So yeah. like
2: why like why? <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a conscious decision to be open or closed. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm like as a comedian you're vocal about a lot of different things. Yeah. So I you know, pre insecure. Like I was I had a t shirt company, you know, that says keeping the likes like at that rock or, you know, I worked for the Passion for Christ movement and we used to have like YouTube shows where we talked about dating and Christianity and all that stuff. So for me it wasn't like a I'm gonna get on a soapbox now and like that I have a platform and I'm gonna share all of this stuff. It was just kinda like Whatever I was doing before, it like we're just continuing it, mm-hmm. and just now more people are watching or listening or whatever. But it's not like if you go back to two thousand eight, I, I was talking about the same thing, or you mm-hmm. know, even further than that. So it, it's not a, even a thing that's like I I consciously think of to like just be open about. But I think based on the responses I've gotten, it's just kind of like oh my gosh, like I'm I'm glad like that I. I'm cool enough to be open to talk about certain things because there are a lot of people who have, like, questions or there are a lot of people who are in a similar boat and are just like, okay, well, we thought we were alone in this, but, like, it's so cool that, like, we're not because you are sharing openly about it. So it's it's kind of like, oh, well, by the grace of God, if anything I'm saying helps you, then turn up. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about that. Or just, like, or adds more clarity or gives you more hope or whatever because for me, at least exposure was a big thing for me you know like this I I wasn't I wasn't always this person that was like so like 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 that knew everything that I know now Mm -hmm. and so for me there were people who came before me that exposed me to more that exposed me to a different way of thinking about things and it's like once you're exposed you can't unsee or unknow the thing that you now know yeah. and that opens up your world to believe for more to to go after more. Mm-hmm. And so hey if some if if you're in 2017 and you hear something from me and that exposes you to think about things differently turn up like you can now kind of walk in the truth that you now know of, Mm -hmm. that you didn't before. And so, like, that's, I mean, hey, that's a win for everybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things you talked about in the TED Talk was how, I think you called it being bamboozled by Jesus. Bamboozled by
2: Jesus. (laughs) He got me, y'all. Because, you know, you
0: you heard another woman talking about her experiences. How is it for you, I mean, I I realize this is, like, a, a sort of loaded question, but, like, Hollywood is not exactly the place of, like, more, like, moral, uh, <laughs> moral virtue, per se. Um, and in terms of just like being and, and you know, there, there are obviously people who in Hollywood, especially black Hollywood, who are religious. Um, but is it how has it been to navigate that world of being much more, I think, um, maybe devout is the wrong word, but like very um, strict in holding to your values while being in Hollywood?
2: Again, it's not even a thing I think about. Yeah, you know I, what I found is, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's not closing any doors. And if it does close any doors, and those are not the doors that I have to that I'm supposed to walk through, mm-hmm. um, for me, having a relationship and not just religion, because it's like it it dictates what I do. Because religion is just like do this and do that and don't do that and do that. Mm-hmm. Relationship is like I'm not going to do this because. Of this, Mm -hmm. or I can't do this because of this, or I actually will do this, or my character is one that like I have to, I have to be this person because I can't separate the two. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's 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 a consistency thing. It's not like a this is me on Sundays and every other day is like I do anything else I want. It's like no no no, my life is literally is bareheaded by what I believe, Mm -hmm. and and it's and but it's never in a forceful way. It's never in a way that's like. You too should believe the same thing I believe. Or, like, oh, yeah, if you don't believe yeah. what I believe, then I can't mess with you. It's like, guys, live your best life. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way, you know, when people say, I remember when I did an, an interview and someone was like, well, why do we know this about you? Like, why do we know that you're waiting? And I'm like, the same way we know that so and so had a one night stand. Like, <laughs> they're not keeping that to themselves. Yeah. So, like, I don't have to, like, they share, they, people overshare every day. <laughs> yes. You know, so it's like, we can share about that. Like, why can't we know this about me? Like, it's, yeah. and it's not anything that I'm not, is that it's not anything that I'm ashamed of mm-hmm. it, because it's it, it's it's just part of me it's the same way that when I was growing up it wasn't cool to be African and so people were calling you African booty scratches but now I'm like yo I get more love because I'm Nigerian I get more love because like I genuinely love Jesus you know mm-hmm. I get more love for all the things that you would think could separate you or make you or could alienate you and I'm just like also like y'all Nobody puts me in a box or whatever. I'm like, I am only here my like sheer grains of Jesus. <laughs> and like, so I I can't stop I can't stop talking about him. I can't stop loving him because then I would stop being the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. And literally for me, all I know how to be is myself. Yeah. Do you feel as though there like is there anything
0: about the representation of uh, people who are religious in film and TV that you could be improved upon or do you just wish you could see because even your character there's no not that obviously you're you're acting like you're not (laughs) supposed to not every character the point of acting is not to always be yourself but I'm I'm curious because we haven't really seen any sort of religion from Insecure at all Mm -hmm. in any way and you know most of these shows um, that we have with black people are not necessarily dealing with them in a direct way Mm -hmm. even though it is still a very huge part of a lot of black people's
2: lives. I mean I think what TV is able to do is present authentic experiences, right? And it's like if you, if that's a thing for a creative, that's an important part of them that they want to share, that like feeds into the narrative that they want to show. Then by all means, show it or do mm-hmm. it. But it's not, I don't. It's not. It doesn't necessarily have to be forced. And but I also my whole thing is like whatever, the experiences it the experience is let it just be balanced you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there there's a narrative that you can talk about religion and if you've had a negative experience with it then that's going to be your purview that's going to be how you t- how you relate to it mm-hmm. um you know uh, the show that i'm creating called first gen um nigerians by nature are just very conservative people um and you know when we're thinking about storylines or plot points with it it's just like yeah there's gonna be like the first the first episode is you know the the mother character calling a pastor to like pray over her daughter who's just, like broken her heart because it's like that's what you do in a Nigerian house we are calling Pastor Kunle because this is rough. he will come and lay hands on you you're like wait what <laughs> you know why is Pastor Kunle on deck like it's 10 o'clock like why, <laughs> why 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 do you have him on your on, on speed dial right now but that's a thing that like I've experienced like literally I've come, come come down from my room and my dad is like sit down we are going to have prayer." like why is this man here he's not touching me no I'm leaving guys this is no <laughs> you know but it's just like but at the same time it's like that's one aspect. but at the same time like I also have like a relationship yes. and so you know even in my comedy the things that I'm able to talk about like I can't I can't skew so mean because I'm like that's just not even like representing me my brand or him in a good light so it's like Nah, that's just I can't. There are certain jokes that I'm like, yo, that's hysterical, but that's not my brand. And I can't I can't even go there. So I think it just it all depends on the creative. And if that's not I'd rather you be truthful and honest in your portrayal um, than like try to contrive something that you think it is because it's like that. I mean, that's I think we were seeing a lot of that from shows that portrayed black people. It was like, well, which black people do you know that are only thugs? Like, why are we always slapping hoes? Like, this is crazy. Like, you know, like, you know, it's like, is this a truthful, honest representation or is this just what you think this community does? And I think when you see a show's like Atlanta or Insecure or Queen Sugar, you're like, oh my God, these black people are just like really normal and regular and they live great lives. It's like, yeah, these are the black people we know. You know, so when it comes to faith, you know i I you know I would love a portrayal that is just authentic, and I you know and i can't I can't dictate to anybody else what that portrayal should be or is because that's their experience mm-hmm. you know, uh you know something like Greenleaf is talking about a mega church right. and I've been at mega churches, and you know I think for for better or worse, there are things that happen behind the scenes at at every church and you're like, wait, what in the world?" And then there are things that you're like, oh. But like, this is really good about this church or so it, it you there's nothing there's no story that's perfect like even when our show came out people like black people were upset like HBO gives her a show and they call it insecure see this is what I can't stand and it was like wait people really said oh that? my gosh on, yeah it was on. just like <laughs> why is it the first time we a black girl gets a show on HBO it's got to be insecure like why can't we you know there be a better portrayal of us and it was just like She's awkward. She was awkward before, so you were okay with awkward. Awkward's taken, you know. My so people, now she's my insecure, um, and it's okay because. But I think that narrative and Issa was great about sharing. Like, yeah. we're all insecure about stuff. Like, there's nobody that wakes up every day winning, and it's like, why do we need to so circumvent the? image that's out there as like we are saviors we are warriors we are we get it we are black girl magic is all day long but at the same time there's black girl pixie does that got to have you have to have before you get to the magic and yeah. pixie does it ain't fully formed yet like <laughs> you're gonna make some mistakes on your way and you've made mistakes and you are insecure and but then you're killing it in, in other aspects of your life too and, and it's okay but i think there was this just like fear like well you can't let white people know that We you know we got insecurities because then you know, their narrative about us is gonna be justified. It's like, we're not stunning nobody. Like, they're gonna think whatever they're gonna think about us. So yeah. let's just walk in the truth of who we are. And again, This may not be your story. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And that's the beauty of having more seats at the table, more voices to say, well, if this is not your story, that's cool. We're going to have this story. Mm -hmm. And then you can get in where you fit in. It's funny because I had not heard that argument, which is a
0: terrible argument to make. (laughs) (laughs) But then I also have coworkers who have said that they think that Issa's character is not insecure enough. And I was like, I... I don't. I don't know where that's coming from. Like this is a this is a woman who like psychs herself up in the mirror and raps to herself in order to like. Build. I was like, she's pretty insecure. I there feel were like other it,
2: people who said Obama wasn't black enough. But, so I don't know what the stratus, <laughs> what know. is what the what the scale of insecurities know. or blackities or anything ease is yeah. enough.
0: Well, question for you: Who do you think right now in season two is the most insecure character?
2: Ah, uh, I would say Lawrence. Mm, I, I would agree. I would say Lawrence because I think Lawrence is like trying to find himself in a way that he hasn't before. And it's like also finding himself while on the up and up. Yeah. Which is like you should find yourself when before you get on the up and up because then you're solidified in who you are right. before the rise. But when you're trying to figure it out as you're rising, that's problematic. Yeah. That's problematic. So I think that's what he's experiencing now. He's just like... I'm a good guy, but like, I'm trying to be a single guy and all I know is relationships. So that's why he messed things up with Tasha. It's like, uh, like I'm jumping from one relationship to another and, for the last four years, I've been in relationship mode, so I don't know how to be Chad, you know, his friend. Like, right, Chad right. is, like, a, I don't know what Chad is. Chad is <laughs> Chad. Chad is not single, and then he is single, then he's engaged, but then he's flirting with the real estate. I don't know what Chad—Chad Chad is a mess, is what he is. Chad's a fuckboy. <laughs> and Lawrence is trying to be a fuckboy. Well, Lawrence doesn't know how not to be a relationship boy. Right. And by, by, because of that, and by default— Because he doesn't have the best people around him right now, he ends up being an F-boy. So, yeah, there's Mm. that.
0: Yeah, I would agree that Lawrence (laughs) is the most insecure right now. (laughs) Well, let's actually talk about Molly this season because she's going through a lot of, she's kind of evolved a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, In the first season, you know, her and Issa had that huge falling out. And then... They 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 reunited at by the end of it, but I mean that changed. Like one of the things you fell out over was her suggesting that you go to therapy. And yeah. So this season you're attempting to go to therapy.
2: I'm in therapy, y'all. Well, Molly's in therapy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, now, well, as of, uh, as, of as of three, now nah, she's not in therapy. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Or she's trying to find a new therapist. Yes.
0: But I mean, what is there? Is there anything? about your character this season that surprised you and you know how much you know how much input do you get into your character
2: I think I think we are seeing it's so funny because like I was saying earlier like people were really upset with Molly for (laughs) not going to dinner or the concert with Lionel it is Sterling K. Brown I'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) the Sterling K. Brown but y'all Molly's doing what Lawrence probably should have done is taking a beat. It's like when you like somebody, but you don't like them enough, it's like let's not waste each other's time. And yes, I could could use you for like a cool night out and like I might even enjoy myself, but if I don't feel like it's going to go anywhere, why why am I wasting your time? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think she's trying to process that, which is very different than Molly's first season. Molly would have been moved in with Lionel. Like Molly would (laughs) have been like, so what color arrangements do you want for the wedding? No, we can actually go to Vegas today. And you know, now she's just take, taking a beat and like people are hurting okay with that. So it's just kinda like, what y'all want Molly to do, y'all? She's trying, she's trying to figure things out and she's trying not to be that person. Obviously, yes, there are extremes, and maybe she's she might have gone from one extreme to the other. Yeah. But that's the thing when you're trying to find the sweet spot in the middle. Like Goldilocks was like, Not nah, it's too hot, not nah, it's too cold. Okay, well, you have to go to the two extremes to figure out like I kinda like it warm. Yeah. And I think that's where Molly is right now. Molly's trying to figure out what that sweet spot is. Yeah.
0: And I mean, you, I'm sure, are also learning. You've learned a lot about yourself being someone who is outdating. What is the one uh, thing that you've done that you regret in dating? That I regret in dating? Um, or something you just feel like you've learned from. Maybe regret's a strong word. I was like,
2: hmm. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> uh, I think I've, I, what I've learned, and I'm still learning, is it's okay. Like it's okay to want what you want. Because it's it's like I, I am I'm I have like a like I call myself a hopeful romantic and so I have like a not a bleeding heart, but I'm always like, you know, accommodating. Mm-hmm. And for me I'm just kinda like Nah, you know, you like what you like. Mm-hmm. You like what you like. And you can try to fit this square peg into a round hole because, you know, it's kind of like if Molly tried to get with Lionel, it's just like I like what I like. Like, and yeah. now I can't, you know, I considered, I told uh, someone I considered that relationship like 500 Days of Summer, like the movie. Yeah. Where it was just like, he was great. But like, he wasn't her great. Yeah. And yeah. she couldn't put her finger on it until she found like the dude. And it was like instantly, it's like, oh my God, oh, of course I love you. Let's get married tomorrow. And it's like, what the, we were in this for so long. And it's like, yeah. And when I saw what I liked, I had to go for it. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, it's, Yeah, they're good people, and they're the good people who want to be with you. But if they're not your great,
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So my final question for you is, when is the last time you saw yourself in a film or TV show, something you weren't a part of? Um, Whether it was you saw a character who really resonated with you, who you felt like, oh, that's like me or my sister or my my brother Mm -hmm. or... Um, you just felt really connected to that movie or TV
2: show or character. Um... But when I saw the Black Panther trailer, I was like, so, so, like, Black Panther 2? It's like, <laughs> can, 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 can. I mean, I'm from Africa. I what you need? I, I bring the whole village. I bring the whole squad. Like, I I could do some high kicks, some backflips, whatever y'all need. You can bring you to Wakanda. I, you listen, li- whatever language I need to learn, like, you best believe, call me. Uh, no, I definitely was like, so listen, we're we, we, we not going to let this moment pass us by a second time, okay? Um... Yeah, I I you know, I think that would just would be fun. Um It's funny, I, I have a I have a podcast called Ball Girl Ma- Magic and we interviewed uh Susan Kelechi Watson mm. and I was just telling her I was I, I was I was actually telling her I was like, "Yo, what advice can Beth give to Molly because I feel like Molly can learn from Beth?" <laughs> um and I just I just think that character is is so beautiful and so well like Beautifully done. Oh, and just to clarify for listeners, this is this is us. This we're is us. Oh, I'm sorry, I was <laughs> sorry. like Did I not say that. I was, they were like, "What show is this?" You know. I think she plays that character so well. Um, it's so layered. I mean, the Randall character is is definitely the the. You know, patriarch, and Beth just comes in is like, I'm a soldier too. You know, I'm a, I'm gonna let you have your moment. I'm gonna let you have your midlife crisis. But I call marriage, and I was like, when that when that episode when she says I call marriage, I was like, this is some grown folks stuff. Like <laughs> these folks is out here using all their words, and it's just yes. like, no, you're gonna listen to me, and this is why. And I especially loved, you know, when she found out that Mandy Moore's character actually knew. You know, Randall's dad, she was like, you got X amount of time to tell him before I do because you're not about to have me lying to my husband. And I was like, I love the real of that moment. It's like, I'm going to let you have your moment because but you're not about to mess up my marriage Mm -hmm. because I can't keep secrets. We don't do that here. And I just loved how open and honest and raw and heartfelt that character was too, and I was just like, man, I'm, I don't know, if this is a lesson in acting or marriage, but I'm taking notes, <laughs> like, whatever it is. I'm like, kudos to to Susan Kalichi Watson on that one. Nice, great choice. I don't
0: think we've had a, we haven't had it. This is us. Uh yet on the show we we ask everyone this question and we've had lots of other answers but not that one that's a
2: good one thank you i i I feel it i'm like hey what up beth how you doing (laughs) we we should have a crossover of beth (laughs) Beth i mean since we have we have randall in common right yeah somebody actually like tweeted and was like okay are we not going to talk about the elephant in the room randall's out here with molly when he should be at home with beth i was like it's a different show it's <laughs> a different show.
0: <laughs> well, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on, Ivan. Thank
2: you. I had I had a great time. Yeah, and everyone,
0: check out insecure. insecure. Yes. Ten thirty Sunday nights. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Thanks so much. No problem. And we are out. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Marilyn Williams, and our great social media assistant is Marissa Martinelli. And thank you, Marissa, for your extra special assistance on this episode. Our intro-outro music is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk-soul band Midtown Social. And if you missed our other conversations about Insecure and want to hear more, go back in your feed and check out Prentice Penny in episode 39. Oh, and speaking of Insecure, Verilyn and I were actually just on another great Slate podcast that everyone should check out, Slate's Culture Gab Fest, last week. Also talking about Insecure. (laughs) If you are not already tuned into Culture Gap Fest, you should definitely check it out. It features Slate culture critics Stephen Metcalf, Dana Stevens, and Julia Turner debating the week in culture. And they cover a whole spectrum of things from film to TV to music to podcasts. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.